Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, I'm Jen. And I'm Amanda. And And you're you're listening listening to Fathomless. talking about a girl named Melissa. Yeah, but we were also talking about how the accused killer in Tracy Michael's hand was trying to pin his murder on somebody else named Henry Myers. Yeah. We're still not sure if that's right. I don't care. He's he's in jail. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Uh, Spoiler alert. He died. No, yeah, so. So we can talk shit about him if we want, because he murdered a girl. He's a toad. Yeah, he's a toad. I mean, I just showed Amanda a picture of him, and she was like, ooh, what a scary-looking man. Yep. <laughs> um, so, what, what was his name? Michael Hamm. Michael Hamm was yeah. trying to accuse this guy of murdering the girl that he actually probably murdered. We don't know yet, because the case is still ongoing. Yeah. Um, But we figured it would be... You know, a good little segue into segue this story. Into this other Kingston murder. Yeah. Um, when we were like playing out cases, you said you wanted to do this one. I was like, oh, well, I know of another one from Kingston. It's the same girl. And it wasn't. I was like, oh, we should do these ones back to back. Yeah. So it was always the plan to kind of do these ones back to back. And um, actually, my friend Dominique, I don't know if she listens or not, she's not much of a podcast or a true crime person. But she actually sent me this case, like, before we did the podcast. So, because her mom told her about this case, and she was just like, you know, be careful, like, when you're out and about. Yeah, Yeah. because, like, this girl, this happened to this girl. Same thing, just disappeared walking around? Yep. So, kind of like Amanda's case, it's probably going to be a shorter one. There just isn't that much information about yeah. like again like her personal life it's hard with these like older cases in much smaller towns that didn't have like a lot of you know there wasn't a big media presence in either of these I cases I mean this case or... was huge this case it had one of like the biggest searches like to date that's cool so i just basically gathered what i could for information and a lot of it was repetitive the same stuff there yeah. are a couple websites that had like a little bit more. Yeah, juice a lot to of articles them. that have the same kind of structure of the story. Yeah, and then sometimes you get some extra info here and there. I mean, it's pretty straightforward too. And also, like this was in the night. This was 1990. I thought it was 93, 1990. Um, so a little after mine. Cause like, mine was 86. Like four years after. Yeah. So it was around the same time frame. It was in the same town. It's not that big of a town. Um, so I can see why this guy. Michael Hand would want to point yeah, fingers and, uh, away point from fingers. himself, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I said in my uh, police said that they saw no connection between these two cases, okay. so they don't believe that uh, Michael Hand was correct that Henry had anything to do with the disappearance or killing of Tracy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Henry Meinholz does. I'll get into it later, but he does have like a history of being like aggressive, not a. Creepy. Creepy? Yeah. Like creeping on children. <laughs> he was just a creepy toad man. 
yeah, a perverted code man ego. Gross. Yeah. So it's September 15th, 1990, and 13-year-old Melissa Benoit was walking home from a friend's house in Pinkston, Massachusetts, when she mysteriously vanished. It's like right in the center of town. Yep, right in the center of town. Um, so Melissa was born on August 29th, 1977, in Massachusetts to parents Diane and George, and she lived in a home on Main Street in Kingston with her mom and her 11-year-old sister Erin. You know, and in this town, like you said before, like parents didn't have to worry about letting their children play up and down the street. You yeah. came home when the streetlights came on. Even when I was a kid in like late later 90s, because I was born in 92, and like early 2000s in Plimpton, the next town over, it was the same way. Like we were just out until it got dark. Yeah, my parents would be like, get out of the house, or lock don't doors. come back until, you know, it's yeah. time for dinner, pretty much. Yeah. So... Just one year earlier, Melissa had lost her father when he was only 41 years old. Oh, that's so sad. And at the time of her disappearance, she was an eighth grader at the Sacred Heart School, which was a local Catholic school in town. Oh, yeah. We know all about Sacred Heart. I think they closed, like, recently. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think, like, in the past, like, couple of years, they actually closed. So, but. Yeah. I know a couple of people that went to school there, and she was an eighth grader there. Wow. Yeah. So back to the day Melissa went missing. She was abducted close to her home around 2.30 p.m. on September 15th on her way back from apparently she was watching TV at a friend's house. And then she's believed to had visited her father's grave, which is just I, apparently it's in a graveyard just yards from the neighbor's house. That oh, she was okay. At. So watching TV at a friend's house, went to go visit her father's grave on her way home about 2.30 in the afternoon. So the police were soon alerted after Melissa didn't return home for some time, and the search was massive and included around a thousand police officers and volunteers. Wow! So it's a big search. Big search. At this time, it was the largest ground search that the New England Missing Persons Bureau had ever launched. Oh wow! Yeah. So everyone was looking for her. Pink ribbons were tied around the trees throughout the town to raise awareness for missing Melissa. And it's really weird that the FBI actually did this, but they actually called on some of the neighbors to come in and take polygraph tests because they were just, like, at a loss. Yeah, trying to see if anybody saw something. I don't think they really questioned all the neighbors, but they believe that the neighbors had to have seen something. Yeah, might have seen or heard something at the very least. Yeah, and, like, especially since, like, the scent dogs were pretty much – Coming up with nothing. Coming up with nothing. Yeah. sucks. So nobody in the area um, who lived there admitted to seeing her. But by September 19th, just a few days after, police had their suspicions about a man who lived in the area for over 30 years. Oh. And this man is Henry Meinhold, who we have already mentioned. Yeah. And dude, Henry. Yep. Our toad dude. Yep. Toad dude. He had a prior criminal history. You ready? Including raping at knife point. Okay. And public masturbation. Gross. Yeah. So this guy was gross. He was just terrible yeah. all around. Yeah. Cool. He was married. He did have a wife. How? Don't know. But as poor wife. But after receiving approval from Henry's wife, police began to search the property with their police dogs. And Melissa's body was recovered during the search. Oh, wow. Yep. 
She actually had told the police where to look and said, I suggest you bring a shovel. So she knew. Um, I feel like maybe she either knew or she had her suspicions that her husband like saw was him doing some sketchy shit. Yeah. Like, hmm. Yeah. So I don't, she didn't get into any sort of legal trouble for having anything to do with it. So, okay. well, she also could have gotten yeah. out of trouble because she helped the police. So this guy was just pissed. I don't think she had anything to do with it in my opinion, maybe but it was her I don't know. Getting rid of her gross husband. Probably. I would if I was stuck with a weirdo like that. Yep. Uh, he was Melissa's next-door neighbor, who lived just 50 feet away. Wow. hmm Also, they lived right across the street from the police station. Jesus Christ. Yep. And we have driven by these homes many times in our day. Uh, do you want to know something? What? Um, one time, on one of the few times my birth mother actually came to, like, pick us up from visitation and take us out somewhere. Me and my sisters were fighting in the back of the car, and she pulled into that Kingston police station on Main Street and had an officer talk to us about how you should not distract the driver by, you know, beating your sister with a Barbie doll in the back seat. Yeah, that's so that's my nice little memory. Uh, <laughs> memory. That's your memory of the Kingston police station. Yep. Love yeah. it. Pretty did you, fun. Did you listen to the police? Oh my god, we were terrified. Oh and my we god. Really young, so when the officer came, I was like, "How are you guys doing today?" We were all like, "Fine." <gasps> It was, uh, yeah. I know my other sisters remember it, too. But That's we hilarious. Were, we were rambunctious children. Yeah, you guys are so rambunctious adults. We are. We're loud. We're a loud family. <laughs> um. So not only was he Melissa's next-door neighbor, and not only did they live across from the police station, but he also helped in the search of Melissa. Are you kidding me? I hate when people do things like that, or they, like, try to, like, talk to the family, or, like... Or they go to the funeral. Yeah, like, why are you just such a shitty human being? So, Melissa was found in a shallow grave in the basement of Henry Meinhold's basement. Basement of Henry I'm repeating. In the basement of the basement? (laughs) She was in the basement of the basement. Wow. She was found in a shallow grave in Henry Meinhold's basement, 11 days after she disappeared. Yeah. So... They found her fairly quickly, not quick enough. Yeah. But they found her. Um, Did they know if she was, like, held captive for a while, or was it kind of like Oh, yeah, they know killed? exactly what happened. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of it. You are. <laughs> so, um, actually, I was able to pull up some court documents. Oh, damn. Look so at you. So, I have a big, long... Attorney Jen. Attorney Jen. I have a big, long quote from... All right, a court document. Okay. So, quote, the body was completely surrounded by a plastic sheet, which was twisted in a cord-like fashion encircling her neck. There there also was a rope tightly wrapped around the victim's upper chest. Another piece of cord tied her left wrist around her chest. The victim was wearing, trigger warning, a t-shirt and a bra that was above the level where it was supposed to be. Okay. Later that day, the victim's body was taken to the hospital to be autopsied. Although no semen was found, there were multiple contusions on both sides of the victim's inner thighs that were consistent with a sexual assault. There were also multiple blunt force contusions to the victim's face, scalp, neck, collarbone, right knee, both lower legs, the right foot, the right hip, and a large contusion on the lower back. There were also abrasions on the victim's knees, consistent with being dragged across a 
concrete floor. Band-like contusions were discovered on both ankles and on her right wrists that were consistent with a ligature being tied around the ankles and wrists. So she was just violently attacked, which yeah. is terrible. All of the above described injuries were inflicted while the victim was still alive. Uh, I hate that. The actual cause of death was asphyxia and multiple blunt force injuries to the head. When the victim's body was ultimately located, it appeared that she had been dead from 9 to 11 days. Ooh. Unquote. I hate all of that. That's just so sad that she went through all of that in her last moment. 13 here. years old. Um, officials speculated that more bodies could be hidden on his property, so they obtained a search warrant to dig up portions of his yard and basement floor. Oh, wow. Luckily, they didn't find any other bodies. That's good. But, I mean, they had their suspicions. Yeah. So, I just want to do a little side note on the lead investigator on this case. His okay. name was Alan Bollinger. Bollinger. I don't know. I don't Probably care. Probably Bollinger. It doesn't matter. Okay. Because. He sucks. Uh, yeah. He was promoted okay. from sergeant to police chief just two months before the murder. Okay. Two years later, he himself was arrested and charged with sexually assaulting three girls ages 12 to 15 in the early 1980s. Ah, so he's super gross, too. Yeah, we have another super gross guy. Love that. Awesome. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Henry Meinholz. Two years old. He worked as a clerk at a woodyard. He was a Navy veteran. And... He was a church elder who taught Bible school. That is exactly how a toad should be like. He's so gross. He was the former deacon at the First Baptist Church in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Really? <clears throat> yep. You know how I feel about the church. We're not going to say any more than that. But it's like every time <laughs> you hear about this guy, it's like, oh, he was a piece of shit. Oh, he was arrested for that. Oh, he was like doing... Yeah, they're always wonderful churchgoers. Yeah, because if you're acting super nice to everybody, no one would ever suspect you of doing anything so terrible. Yep. So after his arrest, he was held without bail in order to undergo a 20-day psychiatric evaluation at Bridgewater State Hospital. Cool. And uh, he tried to plead innocent to the assault and murder of Melissa. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I didn't kill this girl that was found beaten in my basement. It totally wasn't me, guys. Yep. His attorney states that, the, that his client was, quote, bewildered by the entire chain of events and was unable to remember anything about the incident. Jesus Christ. Could you imagine trying to be like, I have no idea how this body ended up in my basement. Yep. Totally forgot. Gee whiz. What? Oh, uh, my. He said that a court psychiatrist had confirmed this memory loss was genuine. Okay. I mean, he may have, like, blacked things out because... Uh, yeah. He committed a horrible act, and he could not mentally cope with it, but that's about as far as I'd go with that theory, mm -hmm. you know? So, Henry's lawyer described how his client murdered this 13-year-old girl in his garage before throwing her body into the basement of his home and burying her in a shallow grave. Um, I'm just going to kind of get into a couple little details that I'm just going to another little trigger warning um he performed a sexual act on her and before suffocating her with a blanket melissa asked him quote are you going to kill me 
Uh, he stated that she begged for her life. That's sad. Which, that's just, ugh. Um, after, after he killed her, he held her face in a pan of water just to make sure that she was dead. Are you kidding me? Yep. What are you? Ugh, scumbag. Yep. According to Henry, a voice told him, quote, you're not a man unless you have sex with her. Do it. So he said that he saw the little girl walking. By, you know, she was literally almost home. So he saw a child walking to her house and was like, yeah, no, I should, you know. No, and a voice. I'm not a man unless I rape yep, this child. A voice told basement. him to do it. And he's not a man unless he does it. That doesn't make you a man at all. It makes you literally nothing but garbage. And a pedophile. Yeah. And a murderer. So he apparently killed her and then slipped away to watch a college football game on TV. Wow. And then returned to bury her body in the basement. You piece of trash. Yep. So he's like, oh, the football game's on. Like, let me just put this on hold real quick. took this girl away from her family and just, like, act like it's no big deal. I just can't, like, fathom the thought that, like, he was her next-door neighbor. Yeah. And she was walking home. She was almost fucking home. Right? Like, she was feet away from From her home. Yeah. In front of a fucking police station. In too. front of a police station on a main road where there's... In the middle of the afternoon. In the middle of the afternoon where there's constant traffic. Always. Always. It said the that, like... The street's she, busy as fuck. She, like, he lured her into his garage somehow. I'm sure he was just being like, oh, hey, neighbor. Like, don't trust your neighbors. Yeah. I haven't met any of my neighbors here, and I don't want to stay away. Yeah. I mean... Susie moved to Western Mass, and she has a great neighbor friend. It's this older guy. His name's Ken, right? Yeah. yeah. We'll start Ken out I mean, it is, it's sad because it was a different time because, like, I had neighbors' houses who I would just go and hang out with. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, I just I, walk over and just go in, get a popsicle. I used to have this neighbor. Her name is Kathy growing up, and um, she had a son about my age, but I would call Kathy and ask yeah. if I could come over and hang out with her. <laughs> That's just so sad that that happened to her. Yeah, but like he was like a creepy old man and um, I'm sure he was just trying to be like, oh, hey, neighbor. Like, you know, like kind of in like the Lovely Bones, how like the yeah. old neighbor was like, oh, I made something for yeah, you. Yeah, took advantage of the fact that she was an innocent child and that, yeah. you know, she would just see him as like, you know, like a nice Or maybe man he and... was just like, I need help with something, but like an adult yeah. like never needs help no, with a child. No, adult never needs help with a child and adult never should ask you to keep a secret. Like, that's not how, that's not how it works. So, after he buried her body in the basement, I'm sure he just kind of went back and did some other just random. Did his old, weird, yeah. gross pedophile life things. Well, it's just like, oh, football game's on. Like, without even, like, a, like you I just hate fucking that killed so much. Like, you care about the football game? So, during his tile, tile, trial, during his, <laughs> during his trial, he testified in great detail a 40-year history of rape fantasies, sexual abuse of young women, exposing himself frequently, fondling teenagers he picked up hitchhiking, and following school buses to spy on young girls. So he was just gross as fuck. He was fucking gross. What a terrible person. He admitted to over three decades of molesting children and told investigators about the history of incest in his family. See, all of this also makes me really feel like he had nothing to do with Tracy's murder because there was no evidence that she, or at least nothing has been said that they thought that she was sexually assaulted. 
Um, but she was also pretty badly decomposed. But like none of this, none of what he's done sounds like this what is, happened. To yeah, her. wasn't his handiwork. Yeah. Um, but in 1979, he was accused of molesting one of his two daughters, who was later oh, removed from the home by state welfare workers in October of that year. Poor child. All these poor girls that were stuck with him at some point in time. That's just terrible. Gross. He also described pulling a knife on a Marshfield teenager in 1980. Wow. What a piece of shit. His wife, Jane, extended her sympathy to the Benoit family in a news conference and said that her sense of trust had been destroyed by the acts of her husband. Oh, this poor wife. But poor lady. I'm sure, like, if he was doing this for years, abusing, she must have known something and it was like family secret which like don't yeah it was stuff i get that vibe from it it's just like she didn't know how to yeah leave but like very different in the 90s too and i mean i mean this was even like the 70s and the 80s so yeah it would have been hard for her to leave and back then things were handled differently which is terrible to admit but it unfortunately it is what it is we can't change the past we can just look forward so, on November 24th, 1991, Henry Meinholz was convicted of murder in Plymouth Superior Court after the jury rejected his insanity defense. Good. Good. Yeah, right. Good. So, though he was charged and convicted of murder, he was not charged with the sexual assault because Melissa's body had been severely deteriorated by the time it was discovered in the basement. So, they didn't have a way to really confirm. I mean, they got him with, like, the murder. Yeah. They, they suspected that she was assaulted, but they couldn't prove it at the time. I'm sure now they could because that was 1990. Yeah, they probably so. could now if they had, like, any DNA to test, but yeah. 90s was a different time. Yeah. So he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Good. So see you later. Bye. Um, Melissa's mother and her sister sat in the first row together as the verdict was read, and her mother said in her victim impact statement that her and her younger daughter would, quote, continue our lives to the best of our ability and in that way honor Melissa. That's nice. Meinholz showed no emotion as he was sentenced. Of course, because he's garbage. Yep. And he was sent to the state's maximum security prison in Walpole. Good. Bye. He was able to appeal his conviction because, unfortunately, murderers still have some sort of right. Sucks. Yeah. So he was able to appeal, but on June 20th, 1995, the Supreme Judicial Court upheld the first-degree murder charge. Good. And this was a unanimous ruling by the Supreme Court. Well, yeah, it was obvious. Yep. And they said that the Plymouth County prosecutors did not, you know, they did their job. Yeah. They, they went he, by the book. They did the damn thing. He like, tried arguing that, like, because they showed the jury a photograph of Melissa's body being removed from the grave and photos from the autopsy. And somehow there was, I couldn't find, like, what the speculation on that was. But the Supreme Court was like, no. Like, yeah, everything was done correctly. Yep. So former Massachusetts State Police Administrator Bob Pino reflected back on this case years later. He stated, quote, I was part of the, in, I was part of the collection in Mineholds, basically his arrest. Yeah. Um, we ended up occurring that she was buried in a cellar and we went to the crime scene and we found the body and we actually had to dig her out of the cellar. It was just a dirt floor cellar. We dug her out and she was covered in a little bit of coal and some other stuff, but she wasn't buried that far down. And we just dug her out. And from there we found that the actual, where the actual crime scene had occurred. 
she was killed in the garage, and she was hung up in the garage by a ladder. There was blood throughout, and he had tried to clean up, but the blood had actually gone through the cracks and had exposed, like, it got into the cracks of the two-by-fours, like, yeah. in the wood. Um, and that's how they basically were able to, I mean, it's a big, long quote, but basically that's how they were able to figure out that she was killed in the garage and then dragged from the garage to the basement. Yep, and he buried in the basement, but didn't bury her that far down. That's terrible. And was super sloppy. Of course. And tried to clean it up. Which is good because, you know, your ass got caught. Yep. And Henry died in prison on April 30th, 2000. Excellent. I hope his entire time in prison was terrible. Yep. So, I'm, you know, what we say about prison, we hope your math is sucked and, yep. and your food's gross. Yep. And you stub your toe every single day. Yep. And so much more. Yes. <laughs> that so, was it. Another really sad case from Kingston. Yeah, and she had a huge funeral and um, she is buried in the Evergreen Cemetery in Kingston, Massachusetts. Aww. So, next time we go visit our old stomping yeah. grounds, we can drive around Rocky Nook. That's a good idea. And I know drive I to didn't... Kingston, maybe visit their graves. And Yeah, I know I didn't mention it. Give them a hello. Tracy is buried in the St. Joseph Cemetery, which is in Kingston, okay. on Main Street. Okay. I mean, they're probably really close to each other because yeah. there's multiple graveyards and oh, yeah, there's churches. There's, like, eight churches on that, like, one strip of road. Yep. So, I think um, we need to have, like, a day where we just drive yeah. around our hometowns. A little dark tourism day. I'm down. Not dark tourism, but, like, I think we need to go visit our hometowns and drive around and, like, maybe go to all our old spots that we used Let's to hang out at. <laughs> go go hang out at and totally just not do any recreational activities. No, no recreational activities at all. None of the uh the smoking variety. No, none. None at all. None. none. <laughs> we were great kids. No, we were. We really were. We were. We were. Good we could kids. have been a lot worse. Oh god, yeah. So But yeah, that is it for us today and we will see wait, you next Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Next week's episode that's coming after this is valentine's day week it is so i think we should do some sort of valentine's day gone murderous episode like said, if you can there, find something there is the valentine's day massacre i can look into that we've got some uh some bootleggers some 1920 prohibitions some some gang action yeah some 1920s bada bing bada boom gangsters. Yeah. I'm interested in hearing cool. about that. Yeah. I'll I'll do my research and I'll research. And research. Talk. Research. Um, this is what our bulk recording does to you. <laughs> so we it's recorded, also early. It's also, no, it's fucking noon. Oh, wow. <laughs> Time has flown this morning. I've only had one coffee instead of two. Yeah. I could go for So them. we had several donuts. So great. Dunkin' Donuts. Sponsor us. They should. And Starbucks for the drinks. Starbucks for the beverages, Dunkin' Donuts for the food. You know what? No, Dunkin' Donuts has this new flavor. Well, this episode won't come out for a few weeks, but right now it's January 8th. They have this new flavor, brown butter toffee. I can't shut up about it. It's so fucking good. Everyone go get it. Actually, nobody will get it because I don't want them to sell out. (laughs) 
But okay, now I'm done. <laughs> That's it for us today. And we hope you stay spooky. Stay scary. And, and stay, stay safe. safe. Yeah.